President, we have a national emergency. This is one of the things that we can shoot first and ask questions later. Uh, normally you can't do that. All of a sudden these trees started moving out of the way. They parted for me. And then I came out into this opening and there where I saw Jesus Christ. Welcome to End Time News. I am your humble host, W. Dean Shook, bringing you the news the mainstream media is never going to touch. And I've got some interesting stuff today. But before we start, let me remind you, you can download the End Time News mobile app for iPhone and for Android at Google Play or the App Store. It's absolutely free. Never miss another episode of End Time News. Thank you for being here. And let me say welcome to all of our listeners on the iHeartRadio network, our regular broadcast affiliates, our internet connections, these wonderful people on the Blog Talk Radio network and the Spreaker Radio network. However you're listening, I appreciate all of you so very much. So uh, I want to ask a critical question here. Are you one of the many people who are appalled by the ISIS beheading, dismembering, cutting off limbs? If you said yes, and I have to ask, why is Americans, in the name of secularism, doing the same thing? They're filing lawsuits, protesting, and demanding the right to do the very same thing. This reported from WND, here is how abortionists tear fetists apart. On April 8th, the New York Times front page story reported... A bill signed into law by Governor Sam Brownback, a Republican and longtime abortion opponent, outlaws what it calls dismemberment abortion, defined in part as knowingly dismembering a living unborn child. It appears to ban or require altercation of the method known as delation and evacuation, which is used in nearly all abortions after the 12th to 14th week of pregnancy. Kansas becoming the first state to outlaw the dismemberment procedure, as reported by the National Right to Life Committee earlier this year. In its dissent to the U.S. Supreme Court's 2000 Steinberg v. Carhart decision, Justice Anthony Kennedy observed that in a D&E dismemberment abortions, the fetus, in many cases, dies just as an adult human would. It bleeds to death as it's torn limb from limb, the fetus can be alive at the beginning of the dismemberment process and can survive for a time while its limbs are being torn off. In answering the question, is dismemberment too harsh a description? 
Justice Kennedy was very specific in his written opinion from Gonzalez v. Carhart in 2007 case where the Supreme Court upheld a congressional ban on partial birth abortions. Kennedy wrote, After sufficient dilation, a doctor inserts grasping forceps through the woman's cervix into the uterus to grab a living fetus. The doctor grips a fetal part with the forceps and pulls it back through the cervix and vagina continuing to pull even after meeting resistance from the cervix. The friction causes the fetus to tear apart. For example, a leg might be ripped off of the fetus as it's pulled through the cervix out of a woman. It went on to say the toughest part of a D&E abortion is extracting the baby's head. The head of a baby at that age is about the size of a large plum. It's now free-floating inside the uterine cavity. You can be pretty sure you have a hold of it if the sulfur clamp is spread about as far as your fingers will allow, you can then extract the skull pieces. Many times, a little face will come out and stare back at you. If you refuse to believe that this procedure inflicts severe pain on that unborn child, please, think again. I have to ask, who are we to talk about the brutality of ISIS when we do the same thing ourselves? and do it to the most defenseless in our society. Shame on you, America. And here's a related story. Also from the New York Times, the editorial board just defended dismembering unborn babies because it's quote-unquote safe. They say it's safe. In an April 9th piece, the New York Times editorial board criticized Kansas Senate Bill 95 on the Unborn Child Protection from Dismemberment Abortion Act, signed into law on April 7th. The bill bans a common second trimester abortion procedure beginning July 1st. Flaunting their disgust, the board called the new law a legislative assault, an assault that partial birth abortionists have faced too, from the beginning. The board bashed the Kansas decision to make the first state to ban the safest and by far most common method of ending a second trimester pregnancy. The method, they said, is dilation and evacuation, which involves dilating the cervix, removing the fetus, often in parts. So they acknowledged that. Other terminology wasn't acceptable. Senate Bill 95 language avoided actual medical terminology. They whined and instead used dismemberment abortion to describe the newly banned procedure. In other words, describing abortion for what it is. This is a simple transition from defending dismemberment abortions to partial birth abortions where an abortion ends a baby's life while it's being born. And again, shame on you, America. This is an American genocide how can we call ourselves any better than ISIS? And since we're on that subject, I want to give you a story reported by CP World, where ISIS has cut off four kids' hands for stealing toys, executes starving children for stealing food. While it's no secret, the Islamic State regularly amputates the hands of grown adults who have been accused of stealing inside its strongholds, Apparently, no exception is given by the militants when a child is accused of stealing. In an interview, the daughter, who's referred to as just S.A., read a text message that she received from one of her friends that still lives in Mosul, which indicated 
the group's police force amputated the hands of four kids for stealing. The message read yesterday, they cut off the hands of four kids, aged 12, 11, 13, and 16. One of the kids stole a toy bird. The other stole an electric cable. S.A.'s brother, who is referenced as Ibram, added to S.A.'s comments by showing the Radu report a video of a preteen being shot in the back of the head, execution style, by ISIS militants because he stole food when he was hungry. The report explains that because of ISIS takeover in Mosul, there's been a food shortage in the town. It's somewhat understandable why the child stole the food. The video also shows the kid's father pleading for his son's life before he was ultimately executed. He stole something. He wanted to eat, Ibram stated. The mother, who was referred to as R.S., is a woman's rights activist and described the strict punishment that the Islamic State has imposed on women that violate its strict laws. They cut off their hair. Some are stoned. Some are shot. Some are beheaded for adultery, R.S. said. If the woman has a boyfriend, the punishment is stoning. If she has more than one boyfriend, she'll be shot. The family also disclosed that many families in Mosul are afraid to send their daughters to school because of the tendency of the militants to go to the school, take the girls from class, and force them to marry, adding that the fighters tend to pick on non-Muslim girls. For Yazidis, if a girl is under eight, nothing happens. But if she's older than eight, they force her to have sex with the jihadists from this religion of peace. I think the brutality there is pretty clear. And what are we doing here in America to our kids? Well, it seems that libraries are fighting parents over a gay penguin children's book. That's right. I said a gay penguin. On April 15th, 2015, Newsbusters.org broke the story that are you not comfortable with your first grader learning about family structure from a gay, flightless, aquatic bird? Well, maybe it's time to check out the library. On April 12th, the American Library Association 2015 State of American Libraries report listed the top 10 most challenged books of 2014, a gay penguin children's book entitled Tango Makes Three by Justin Richardson and Paul Purnell made third place on the list. While the ALA argues for diverse content, parents question the homosexual agenda and its critics call out the ALA's credibility. It's been recommended for children ages 4 to 8. The book tells the heartwarming story of two penguins who create a non-traditional family at Central Park Zoo. Although Roy and Silo are different, the description reads, their desire for the family was the same. After the two try to hatch a stone, the zookeeper presents them a penguin couple's second egg. The two males then get the chance to welcome a baby penguin of their own. The book, published in 2005, earned an ALA Notable Children's Book nomination. Really? In its report, the ALA cited the reason for backlash from parents and educators. The reason was anti-family, homosexuality, 
political viewpoint, religious viewpoint, unsuitable for age group. I would agree with that. The report added additional reason promotes the homosexual agenda. In all, the ALA received 311 challenges or formal complaints in 2014. Now, according to the ALA's Office for Intellectual Freedom, how's that for Orwellian? The OIF has been tracking an increasing number of challenges to diverse titles. The ALA announced diverse content for the ALA included LGBT main and or secondary characters and LGBT issues. For its defense, the OIF argued the association joins the profession in promoting diverse viewpoints in library collections to defend the First Amendment rights of their readers and to protect these titles from censors. Now, while I agree that books should not be banned, that doesn't mean you'd lose all common sense about it. Who has access to certain types of material? You have to be a certain age to buy pornography or see an X-rated movie. Violent content in a movie theater has to be age-appropriate rated, like PG-13. But because the idea is to promote the gay LGBT movement to all ages, this doesn't count. Well, I'm going to take a short break here. When I come back, we'll talk about two congressmen, one Muslim and one homosexual, attacking Christianity. You won't believe what they're asking for. And Hindus want to sterilize Christians. And, of course, our lead story, the radioactive material that's been stolen in Mexico again, which may not be an issue if we didn't have so many terrorists right across our southern border. We'll get to all of those stories and more right after this short break. You're listening to End Time News. Hi, folks. Have you noticed the federal government and police departments are using drones for everything? Drones are expensive. They're hard to fly. It can take up to a week just to learn to make a drone hover. Not anymore. There's a new generation of drones that are not only affordable, but very easy to fly. Now, you can have your own personal drone, anything from a micro mini that'll fit in the palm of your hand, right up to a full-scale model, 10 inches in diameter like the model I have, the V949 Pro. Comes with a 6-axis 4-rotor blade and an HD 2.4 camera mounted on the bottom. These drones are made of a space-age polymer. They're durable, and don't worry about crashing your drone. Replacement blades for this drone from the website are only $1.80 for a pack of four. That's right, I said $1.80 for a pack of four replacement blades. You can also get an extra long life battery. This battery allows you up to a half hour of fly time with a maximum speed of 40 miles an hour. Have your own personal drone, and you can get all of this for under $70. If you go to the website, wdeanshook.com, and click on the banner on the webpage, you can get from 7 to 22% off your personal drone. It's shipped as a kit. You can be up and flying your own personal drone with an HD camera within a half hour. Come to the webpage, wdeanshook.com. Click on that banner and get your discount today, wdeanshook.com. What if I told you that this choice wasn't based on what you could or couldn't do, what you've done in the past, or what you would do in the future? And what if I told you you could do nothing about it? Fellow students and teachers, thousands 
of children are right now in that very situation. Someone is choosing, without even knowing them, whether they are going to live or die. That someone is their mother, and that choice is abortion. Every day, 115,000 children are dying through abortion. 115,000. That means that 5,000 children would die every hour. All those lives, gone. All that potential, gone. And all that hope and future, gone. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. Oh, it's not really killing, after all, a fetus isn't a child, right? Why do we think that just because a fetus can't talk or do what we do, it isn't a human being yet? The word fetus comes from the Latin word, meaning young one or young child. Some babies are born after only five months. Is this baby not human? We would never say that, yet abortions are performed on five-month-old fetuses all the time. Or do we only call them humans if they're wanted? No, fetuses are definitely humans, knit together in their mother's mother wonderful creator, who knows them all by name. Some people might say that since abortion's legal now, it doesn't matter. It's not our business. But if an action is unjust, it needs to be illegal, and it has to be our business. And this particular law has a huge impact on our society. In 1997, over 1 million abortions took place just in the U.S. And just last year, over 42 million abortions happened worldwide. I'd say that's a huge impact. I know some people say that the mother has a right to abort. After all, her life is dramatically impacted by having a baby. But I'm asking you to think about the child's rights that were never given to it. No matter what rights the mother has, it doesn't mean we can deny the rights of the fetus. Talking about the mother's choice, the mother may have had a choice not to have unprotected sex in the first place. We must remember that with our rights and our choices come responsibilities, and we can't take someone else's rights away to avoid our responsibilities. At this point, I imagine the age-old question arises. What if the mother didn't choose to have sex? What if she was raped? But let's look at the facts for the U.S. as an example. Only 1% of all American abortions are hard case categories. This includes rape, incest, and the life of the mother being in danger. 1%. That hardly justifies the disturbing volume of abortions that happen these days. And who's to say abortion's the easy way out? I don't think people understand the effects of abortion on a woman. I don't have time to list all the negative after effects, but here are a few examples of the physical effects. 17% of women who've had abortions face complications in their subsequent pregnancies. Some may not even be able to give birth at all. They are also at a greater risk of developing breast cancer if they have an abortion. But perhaps the worst effects are the emotional ones. Women who've had an abortion tend to have more mood disorders substantial enough to provoke them to harm themselves. In addition, women who've had an abortion are five times more likely to have problems with drug and alcohol abuse. Abortion leaves a woman feeling lost and uncertain about their future. Almost one-third of all women who've had an abortion are dissatisfied with their decision. It certainly is not the cure-all people think it is. I read a story on the Focus on the Family website. It was about a girl who had an abortion. She writes, I had an abortion at the age of 17. 
and it was the worst thing I ever did. I would never recommend it to anyone because it comes back to haunt you. When I tried having children, I lost three. Something happened to my cervix during the abortion. Sharon Osborne. Hers is just one of the many heart-wrenching stories that nobody tells these days. And those same ones are the ones that we need to hear about. Thank you for taking time to think about the issue of abortion, to think about the unborn, and to think about the effects of abortion on a mother. If you walk away with anything after this speech, walk away with the words of Horton. You know him, that elephant that risked his life to save that little speck. Remember him and his famous quote, Even though you can't see them or hear them at all, a person's a person, no matter how small. Thank you. GoDaddy offers everything you need to make a name for yourself on the web, from domain names and website builders to complete e-commerce solutions. We've earned our place as the world's number one accredited domain registrar by delivering world-class products at competitive prices and support them with industry-best services delivered 24-7, 365. We're proud to serve our customers from locations around the world. Sign up now at wdstrip.com and get your domain name as low as $5.99 a year. Sign up now at wdshook.com. Go, Daddy. Go, Daddy. Do you think the media is biased? Maybe they're leaving something out, or there's something they're not telling you. Now, you have a source for the truth in the news. W. Dean Shook, End Time News. Your connection to the signs of the times. And thank you for allowing me that break. I appreciate that. Please visit the sponsors on our webpage. It's what keeps this program alive. GoDaddy and Banggood, which you can get your drone for 7 to 22% off if you click on that banner. They've got some very fun things there. Please visit our sponsors. All right. According to WND, congressmen attack so-called religious freedom. Now, get a load of the hypocrisy in this. The only way to make sense of this story is to think about it after we go through this. A homosexual member of Congress from Colorado and a Muslim from Indiana are proposing a resolution to thwart so-called religious freedom laws that reinforce the constitutional protections reserved for religious believers accused of discrimination. The issue arose when Indiana passed a Religious Freedom Protection Act based on the federal law to protect people with of faith, such as the Christian bakers or florists or photographers, who've been punished for declining to lend their talents to same-sex ceremonies. The new move from Representative Andre Carson, Democrat from Indiana, and Representative Jared Polis, a Democrat from Colorado, would force Christians to provide their services for homosexual events, even if it violates their faith. Now, this is coming from a homosexual and a Muslim. Is Islam now defending homosexuality? No, they're attacking Christian. And this goes on. 
Carson, a Muslim whose appointment to the House Intelligence Committee is being criticized because of his association with radical Islamist groups, this week issued a statement about his plan for a federal LGBT resolution opposing discrimination. This coming from a Muslim. He said, For far too long, lesbians, gays, bisexuals, and transgender Americans have been forced to live in the shadows because of who they are. Carson said in a statement posted online, Year after year, we see attacks on the LGBT community as governments at all levels look to institutionalize discrimination in the name of a religious freedom. Recently, we witnessed my home state of Indiana. It enacted a Religious Freedom Restoration Act, giving businesses the right to refuse service based on sexual orientation and gender identity. He said it's long past time for Congress to set in stone bans on such decisions based on religion. Carson asserted that all Americans, regardless of sexual orientation and gender identity, need to know they are valued members of our society. They deserve to live their lives like any other American, free from intolerance because of who they are, he said. America, he urged, must be tolerant of discrimination faced by the LGBT community. Well, you think that's the end of the story? No, there's more. This one, a Hindu leader, calls for Christians to be forcefully sterilized to control population demands Hindu gods be placed in churches. This Hindu extremist leader in India has called on Christians and Muslims in the country to be forcibly sterilized in order to control the population growth and called for Hindu gods and goddesses to be placed in churches and mosques. Populations of Muslims and Christians is growing day by day. To rein in this, they will have to impose an emergency, and Muslims and Christians will have to be forced to undergo sterilization so they cannot increase their numbers. This according to Sadiv Thakur, Vice President of All India Hindu Mahasabha. Now, according to FIDE's news agency, Thakur called on Hindus to have more children to increase their population said the idols of Hindu gods and goddesses should be placed in mosques and churches. Christians and other religious minorities have faced persecution in India before, with churches reporting a number of attacks in the past several months. Back in February, nearly 200 Christians demonstrated and were arrested in New Delhi for protesting against the series of attacks on Christian places of worship. They're urging that the government's not doing enough to crack down on religious violence. But wait, there's more. The Christian population of India has been on the rise, while a recent global survey projected that by 2050, India will overtake Indonesia as the home of the largest Muslim population in the world. Sorry, Mr. Obama. In January, watchdog group Open Doors blamed Hindu extremism for the rise of persecution against Christians in India, ranking the country 21st on its annual world watch list. Are there any tourists who want to take their vacation in uh, India? Maybe a, some Christian tourists? Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Well, here's our headline story out of Yahoo News. Mexico scrambles to find stolen radioactive material. 
Mexico City authorities appealed to the help of Mexico's population on Thursday to locate stolen radioactive material. The latest theft of such dangerous substances in this country. The Interior Minister issued an alert in five southern and eastern states late Wednesday, two days after a toolbox-sized container carrying uranium-192 source was snatched from a truck in a residential parking lot. Luis Penente, the National Civil Protection Coordinator, urged ordinary Mexicans to be on the lookout to notify authorities right away if they find the material which is used for industrial radiography to check welding seams. He noted that in previous cases, the thieves did not even know what kind of material they had taken. There had been three other cases since 2013, and so far, the material has always been recovered. Each time that one of these units have disappeared from the hands of companies in charge of them, We've recovered them with the help of the population. He urged everybody who finds it to stay away and quickly call the authorities. Penente posted a picture of the metallic 50 by 30 centimeter container on his Twitter page. The trifoil radiation symbol is printed in red and yellow, warning caution, radioactive material. An official at Mexico's National Nuclear Security and Safety Commission told AFB that the container was among other things that were snatched from inside the truck, which was in a residential parking lot late at night. Police and troops were put on alert in the states of Tabasco and Veracruz. Authorities said the man-made radioactive element can cause burns, radiation sickness, permanent injuries if somebody comes in contact with it for minutes or an hour. It's fatal if exposure lasts hours or days. In December of 2013, thieves took a truck containing a cancer-treating medical device with highly radioactive cobalt-60 near Mexico City. A similar incident took place in 2014, also without causing harm to the population. This may be extra dangerous, though, seeing that ISIS has their training camp just eight miles from the Texas border, and ISIS and El-Shabaab, Boko Haram, and Hezbollah have all been crossing our southern border for years. We know they're there. All the cartels have to do is make a bunch of money by selling it to these terrorists, which would give them a dirty bomb. And speaking of our southern border, the administration gave social security numbers to 541,000 illegal aliens, according to CNS News. Social security numbers were given to these aliens, according to Carolyn Colvin, acting commissioner of the Social Security Administration. In a March 12th letter to Senator Jeff Sessions had asked SSA how many individuals have applied for Social Security numbers as a result of the June 15, 2012 memorandum issued by Homeland Security Janet Napolitano entitled exercising discretion with respect to individuals who come to the United States as children. By the end of fiscal year 2014, she said we have issued approximately 541,000 original Social Security numbers to individuals authorized to work under the 2012 Deferred Action for Children Arrivals, DACA policy, since its inception. Janet Napolitano, on June 15, 2012, memo states that for individuals who are granted deferred action by either ICE, Immigration Custom Enforcement, 
or the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service shall accept applications to determine whether these individuals qualify for work authorizations during this period of deferred action. The 2012 memo acknowledges that it confers no substantive right, immigration status, or pathway to citizenship, adding that such benefits can be conferred only by the Congress acting through its legislative authority. However, according to Sessions' office, an illegal immigrant who receives a Social Security number will be able to draw federal tax credits, Social Security retirement benefits, and Social Security disability benefits. More lies and deception. Well, once again, our amendment rights are under attack. This time, it's the Third Amendment. As a judge who's opened the door for cops to storm your home, being reported by WND, the Third Amendment, which guards against the quartering of soldiers in citizens' homes, and which came into being because of the abuse of British troops against American patriots, has just been dinged by a judge who ruled the provision doesn't apply to police. So in essence, this means police on official business can claim the right to burst into a private citizen's home and occupy it. The determination from Federal District Court Judge Andrew Gordon was rendered when he dismissed a Third Amendment claim from a Henderson, Nevada family who suffered that very fate. Anthony Mitchell. Anthony Mitchell and his parents, Michael and Linda Mitchell, sued the city of Henderson and several police agencies in federal court on July 2011 because of an incident they described in court papers. It said on the morning of July 10, 2011, Officers from Henderson Police Department responded to a domestic violence call at a neighbor's residence. Police told Mitchell police needed to occupy his home in order to gain a tactical advantage against the occupants of the neighboring house. Anthony Mitchell told the officer he didn't want to become involved in it and he didn't want police to enter his residence. Police went to the Mitchell family house anyway, banged forcefully on the door, and loudly commanded Anthony Mitchell to open the door to his residence. Mitchell then reportedly contacted his mother to let her know what was going on, and police smashed open his door with a metal ram. From there, the situation grew even more chaotic. Mitchell wrote in court papers police pepperballed him and his dog, gave him conflicting orders, and ultimately arrested him. He was released the next day from jail. But Mitchell and his parents turned around and sued, alleging their Third and Fourth Amendment rights had been violated. The third, because the police were acting like members of the military. The case was closely watched by legal minds, even the unusual nature of the Third Amendment alleged violation, but Gordon dismissed the claim in a court action that fell largely under the nation's radar. Nobody picked this up. He wrote that the Washington Post reported various officers entered into an occupied Linda and Michael's home for an unspecified amount of time, seemingly nine hours, but certainly less than 24 hours. The relevant questions are thus whether municipal police should be considered soldiers and whether the time they spent in the house could be considered quartering. To both questions, the answer must be no. I hold that a municipal police officer is not a soldier for purposes of the Third Amendment. As a Laosoman professor of law at George Mason University opined, 
However, the judge's dismissal should be regarded with weary eyes. He said one complicating factor, he said, is the increasing militarization of police forces in many parts of the country, which have resulted in cops using weapons and tactics normally associated with military force. If a state or local government decides to quarter a SWAT team in a private home, it's not clear whether that's meaningfully different from placing a National Guard unit there. Which brings up, I think, a question again of uh, who makes the laws, the Constitution, the legislature, or the judges? Well, and how far has America gone? Palm Beach Post says, Mom hosted a teen party with sex, pot, and naked twister. An Augusta area mother of five is accused of hosting a party that included drugs, alcohol, and naked twister for teenagers, including her own daughter, according to police. Rachel Lynn Lenhart, 35, of Evans, was arrested Monday and charged with two counts of contributing to the delinquency of minors. Now, according to the Columbia County Sheriff's Office, she was later released from jail after posting $3,200 bond. The Georgia mom accused of hosting a teen party with pot, sex, and naked twister was charged Monday with two counts of contributing to the delinquency of minors. It was Lenhart herself who prompted police to investigate the party. The police report states while meeting with her newly appointed Alcoholics Anonymous sponsor, Lenhart said she had recently lost custody of her five children, ages 4, 6, 8, 10, and 16, after hosting a party at her house. When the 16-year-old texted her mom to ask if she could have friends over to party, Lenhart replied, Come on, let's party. Lenhart said she allowed the teenagers to smoke marijuana and drink alcohol at her home. According to the police, the partygoers then were allowed to play Twister while nude with Lenhart, who left the game in order to have sex with an 18-year-old in a bathroom, the report says. Lenhard allegedly demonstrated various sexual toys to the group, the police said. The naked party continued in the home's hot tub. Lenhard allegedly told the sponsor, later when Lenhard was sleeping, she said she awoke to find someone having sex with her and realized it was her daughter's 16-year-old boyfriend, according to the police. The 41-year-old AA sponsor reported that Lynn Hart told her the story who also questioned the mother before the arrest. And you really do have to be careful about what you say. According to TR Truth, you can get fired for saying the name Jesus. Here's a clip of this upcoming story. A motivational speech in front of Keller High School students ended up getting the speaker fired the district moved quickly after the motivating moved toward religion. Fox Force Dion Anglin is in Keller with what was said and why the district did what it did. Dion. Yeah, that's right. The district says several students here were offended by the speaker's remarks. That person who was uh, hired uh, through an outside company, an agency that provides uh, speakers, but apparently with all the outcry, that person, it cost that person their job. The assembly topic for Keller High School juniors was alleviating stress in students' lives. Ironically, though, it created some for the district. The hired speaker in front of a captive audience mentioned Jesus and expressed his own Christian beliefs, setting off a wave of controversy. No matter if you're Jewish, Catholic, Protestant, Muslim, it's a 
a public school. You're saying leave it out. Yeah, leave it out. I'm not really particularly religious, but I don't think that people should really be offended by um, just mentions of any particular religion, really. Further uproar followed the principal's response. A letter apologizing to parents and an update on the apparent backlash for the speaker. In part, it says, the speaker in question is reportedly no longer employed with the company that sent him. Please accept my personal apology for this unexpected incident. Attorney Sean Brown has experience with education legal issues. She's not involved in the incident, but believes the school was proactive and acting responsibly with an apology. Because of the language that this speaker used in making references to Christian values, um, it could be perceived by a student that the school was somehow endorsing the language that the speaker used regarding religion and Christian, Christian values. Meantime, parents keep up the debate. Jesus doesn't need to be in school. I mean, people go, go to church to get their religion. I mean, it's okay. I believe it should be in school, you know. But, I mean, it shouldn't be forced on kids that don't believe in it. And I think everybody should have the opportunity to express themselves and express their religion. Taking God out of things is making a mess. I think it's good to have God. Now, the district points out it respects all faiths, but it must abide by rules that forbids it from asserting religious beliefs on its students. The latest live here. Steve, back to you. All right, Dan, I'm curious. The language, I don't know if it sounded bragging, but it sounded like validating. The speaker's been fired. Do we know anything about that and if the, the school actually had a hand in this person's employment with his employer? Yeah, the, the district was very careful in its wording. It basically, like you said, it pointed out that uh, the speaker is no longer employed with the company uh, that he worked for, but it doesn't say if it complained or if uh, the district recommended disciplinary action. Uh, it does, however, go on to say in the statement it gave us uh, today that the speaker clearly violated the agreed-upon expectations. Okay. Steve. All right, got it. Deanna Anglin in Keller. Thank you. All right, this was Ryan Roberts, a motivational speaker, and was excited when he received the opportunity to speak to the junior class of his alma mater, Keller High School. This is in the suburbs of Fort Worth, Texas. The speech, however, led to his dismissal because he said he was considered by the school district and his bosses an evil word, Jesus. At the end of the junior class rally on March 30th, Roberts delivered his talk on the topic of stress and pressure. When talking about his own personal story, he mentioned his strong faith in Jesus as part of what helped him deal with stress. And because he credited his faith during his speech, it was deemed so offensive to students, it rendered a letter from the school principal to parents. The letter assured the parents that Ryan's offense had already earned him termination from the organization that hired him to give the speech. Roberts did not push drugs, use profanity, or advocate any criminal enterprise. His offense was to explain how faith helped him get through his tough times. Ryan was fired because he was a Christian. That should offend believers of any faith. And remember, you can download the mobile app for iPhone or Android at Google Play or the App Store. And as usual, when the dust settles and the smoke clears... I'll be back with more Truth in the News. Thank you.
can get these full stories and more at wdeanshook.com. That's wdeanshook.com.